0: Have you ever come out of a season of wilderness or season of difficulty and had maybe a moment to catch your breath and to be able to look back on that experience that you just came through and to think, man, look what God did for me in coming out of that place. That's where David is. We've been following his uh, story in the books of first and second Samuel. And for many, many weeks, we have been walking with David in the wilderness Two weeks ago, when we were speaking together, we talked about David's grieving, grieving over the loss of Saul and of his best friend, Jonathan. Last week, as you look together in David's life, there was still wilderness because the nation of Israel was in civil war and the people closest to David were those whose hands were dirty, who did not have an undivided heart for God the way that David did. That was all part of the wilderness experience but praise the Lord, we don't live our entire lives in the wilderness. There are seasons and they're designed by God and they're for our benefit, but praise the Lord that our entire existence is not in the wilderness, that there are times when God brings us out of those difficulties, when he takes us into a place in which we just, we feel the warmth of his presence and the blessings are upon our lives. And We forget about the difficulties of the wilderness because here and now God is is blessing us in great and mighty ways. And I praise God that we often get to have those experiences. I'm thinking specifically this morning about a man in our congregation named Steve. Steve stood up here maybe two, three, four months ago, I can't remember, uh, and talked about being out of work and how that was a wilderness experience and really had no idea when that wilderness was going to end, but he stood up here in faith and told us about how in his situation that he was going to have to trust the Lord and that he was walking this path. Well, I have news to report to you that Steve uh actually believe it or not, miraculously got the same job back that he was let go from, doing the same work, sitting in the same office that he was before, Amen. except this time the company's under new ownership. And new management and what had been a poisonous situation is now a very positive situation and that God's been good. I'm thinking about Sue, who's a young woman in our congregation who maybe a month or so ago got some very bad news about her mother. Uh, her mother was diagnosed with a very uh, aggressive form of cancer. And this sent Sue into obviously the darkness of what's going to happen and it didn't look good at all. And there were many anxious days. Uh, but in the middle of that wilderness, God showed up and it turned out that either we don't know either God healed her miraculously or uh, she was misdiagnosed. And it was just a very serious infection that gave all the symptoms uh, of being cancer. But in either case, God has taken care of that situation uh, and Sue's able to step out of that wilderness and rejoice, rejoice at the goodness of God. I'm thinking about a man will in our congregation as well. Will, for many years, he and his family have been in the wilderness, uh, the wilderness of immigration and dealing with green card issues and all of those things, trying to work in this country uh, and, and not knowing how long will their visas be here and going from visa to visa and all of those kinds of things. This week, Will sent me an email saying that perhaps the wilderness is done, that God seems to have provided a path uh, for him and his family to be able to uh, get their green card, to be able to continue uh, to be here. And he's just rejoicing. The wilderness was difficult and, and nobody's denying that. But there is this season in which the, the sun comes up again and, and you can't help but smile at the blessings and provisions of God. I'm thinking of Mary, a woman in our congregation who a few months ago her father died. And that sent her into an emotional wilderness. And just this last week, Mary and I were talking together and God has met her in that wilderness and brought her out of that. And, and, and where she is now, she's at a place where she's starting to experience the healthy emotions that you're supposed to have. And she's giving glory to God and saying, man, thank you to the Lord. It's great that we don't spend our entire existence in the wilderness, that there are seasons of life in which it is just taxing and overwhelming but there does come times in which God brings us out of that. And you stop in the middle of those moments and you want to just pause for a second and say, man, isn't God good? Isn't he great? That's where David's at right now. So take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Second Samuel chapter 5. Second Samuel chapter 5. We've been tracking with David for many weeks and he's been in the wilderness for most of that time. He's been on the run. He's been hunted down, even though he's the rightful king of Israel. Saul's been trying to kill him. David has gone through abuse and mistreatment in the wilderness. David's experienced the death of his very best friend, the closest person to his heart, Jonathan. He had a season of 14 months where he wandered away from the Lord and made very foolish, even sinful choices. Now we just uh, finding out that there's been 7 years of civil war. All of this has been part of David's wilderness experience. But in 2 Samuel 5 he he's coming out of it. Look with me in verse number 1. It says all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, "We are your own flesh and blood. In the past while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, "You will be my shepherd." You will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a compact with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months and in Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. The first thing David does as the King over all of Israel. He had been king of Judah, but now he's king over the whole nation. The first thing he does is conquer the city that's going to end up being his capital, the city of Jerusalem. Look in verse number 10 of 2 Samuel 5. It says, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Verse 12, and David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Well, David's first battle after becoming king over all of Israel is against Israel's nemesis, the Philistines. And David leads the people of Israel to a mighty victory in his first battle as king over all of them. And verse 22, we read that story. It said, once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. It seems like everything in this chapter, it's like the heavens have just opened up and after the darkness of these wilderness years, God has just begun to pour out His blessings upon David. you hear all the things that it says? That David has been selected by the Lord to shepherd the people of Israel. That God has established David's kingdom. That God has exalted David. That God has gone before David in battle. And everything in this chapter is just this positive picture of God's amazing blessings and provision. Well, what do you say when you come into a season like that, after you've been through years of the difficulty of the wilderness, when you have wandered in darkness, and you've been going from difficult thing to difficult thing? What's our response when something like this happens to us, when God just begins to pour out His blessings upon us? Well, I actually think I know what David was thinking at this point. And I can't prove it. But I think I know the psalm that David wrote, given the occurrences of Second Samuel 5. I think what happened, again, I can't prove it. But I think when David starts thinking about the idea that the Lord has chosen David to shepherd the people of Israel, that David stopped for a moment to think, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? And thinking about the responsibility of shepherding the people of Israel caused David to think about who's been shepherding him and leading him hit to this place. And so while I can't prove it, I think the psalm that David writes at this time to commemorate being in this place is his most beautiful and memorable psalm, Psalm 23. And what I'd like to do this morning is look through that psalm together as we celebrate with David what's going on in his life. And as he gives us words, if God's brought you to a place where you're experiencing his blessings, where you've come out of the wilderness and you're looking back on that, Psalm 23 gives us great words to express our joy at God's goodness. Now, if you're in the wilderness still, Psalm 23 is just as powerful because in it we find hope. Hope that things will not always be the way that they are. And so turn over to Psalm 23, it's page 392. And listen to the words that I think David wrote on this occasion to celebrate God's manifest goodness to him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sometimes you can forget what an amazing psalm this is. It's rightfully his most well-known psalm. It's rightfully been a central part of what the church has read and memorized and thought about. That's because God is good. And God blesses us. And there are times in which you just say, how do I even, how do I even think about this? How do I even put it into words? And the 23rd Psalm is both this amazing expression of joy and of hope. And so let's just look through it a little bit this morning. David begins, the Lord is my shepherd. This Psalm is not ultimately about God's word or God's law or God's people or God's creation. All great blessings. It's ultimately about God himself that when David asked the question, how did I get to this spot? How am I king of Israel? How have all these things happened that I'm established as king and my kingdom is being... The only answer he has is it's the Lord. The Lord has done this. The Lord has gone in front of me. The Lord. And David says, this Lord, He's my shepherd. Not, He's our shepherd. Now, I'm thankful that God's our shepherd. But I'm thankful that God's my shepherd, that sometimes in the midst of thinking about God blessing us collectively or God interacting with us collectively as his people, we lose sight of the fact that he interacts with us individually, that he sees each one of us exactly where we're at. You know, one of the major problems with the wilderness is that it's lonely. It feels like you're the only one going through it feels like nobody else knows what's going on. I think that's what David felt. But when he comes out to the other side, he thinks, no, there was one person who was my shepherd the whole time I was there. David's not thinking about the Lord in terms of the blessing he is to Israel, but to David personally. Aren't you glad that God sees you as an individual? That he sees your struggles. He sees what you're going through. That in many ways, his attention is focused totally and completely on you. I'm so thankful that the Lord is my shepherd. and Because that's the case. David says, I shall not be in want. He doesn't say, I'll not want anything. We want lots of stuff, don't we? Amen. David says, I will not be in want. Yes, you can amen, that's fine. <laughs> not be in want means not be lacking for anything. Because the Lord is a good shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I have the confidence that I will not lack for anything that I need. That he's going to provide everything that I need. That's why it's so important that it's a personal relationship. That he is my shepherd. Because he knows exactly what I need. And he's promised to provide it. Now some may be sitting here this morning and thinking, but I have some needs that God hasn't provided for. I need a job, or right now I need a friend, or I need guidance from God. Well, it's interesting to me that David does not write, the Lord is my shepherd, I am not in want. He writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And the idea is, is it is true that at seasons of life we have actual needs, things we actually need from God And David's promises is that we will not, not that we will never be in need, but that we'll never stay there. I shall not be in want means that because the Lord is my shepherd, I know that even though I have this need now, God will fill that need. I told you about Steve earlier. He needed a job. God had created him to work. That's a genuine need. And when he stood up here, he didn't have a job. And really, he had no prospects on the horizon. And as I talked to him personally, he would say things like, look at my age and in my situation, I just don't see how this is going to work itself out. He had a genuine need, but he could stand up here and testify in faith that because the Lord is his shepherd, he will not ultimately stay in a place of being in need. And that's exactly what God did. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And the good news is if you are in need of something, a job, a relationship, guidance from God, whatever it is, the promise of God being your shepherd is that you're not going to stay in that place of need. God will provide. David goes on. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep and shepherds are nomadic especially in the Middle East. This is because they're often in the wilderness and there's not lots of food and so they have to go from place to place. And the shepherd has to lead them always constantly on the move, always constantly looking for more food. But that's not the imagery that David has here. The imagery here is of a God who provides graciously and abundantly and instead of us having to chase from place to place, instead of us constantly striving to feed ourselves, God simply makes us lie down. He simply says to us, just be still. I've put you in the place where you've got all the food that you need. I've put you in a place where there are quiet waters for you to drink from. We sometimes think we need to make our lives work. We need to make them happen. And there can be this striving, this this wanting to jump from job to job, from relationship to relationship, from church to church, all trying to make our lives successful. And David says, the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord has put you exactly where he wants you to be. The Lord settles you down and says, there's plenty right here. I have provided an abundance. You're not like other sheep that have to go hunting from place to place, trying to find anything to eat. David goes on. He restores my soul. is not good language. You know, when you go through the wilderness, it damages your soul. It's a tough place to be. It's hard for that pain, for that difficulty, whatever it may be. When you're in the middle of the wilderness, your soul is damaged. Maybe there are times in which you think God was supposed to show up and he didn't show up. Maybe there was somebody who betrayed you. Maybe there was something difficult that happened. Maybe it was your own sin or whatever it was, but you sustain damage to your soul. But the good news is because God is our shepherd, he restores our soul. He doesn't just bring us to a place where now there's food again. What's happening to David in 2 Samuel 5 is not just, well, finally things are going his way. What's happening is God is meeting him where he's at. And God is comforting him. And God is blessing him. And God is pouring out his grace upon David. And he's restoring his soul. I told you earlier about Mary. Mary. Who lost her dad and that sent her into an emotional wilderness? That's damaging. Death, death takes its toll on our soul. But Mary is testifying that God met her in that emotional wilderness and not just fixed the circumstances, but began to repair the damage that had been done. That she's moved to a place where her soul is now healthy, where there's now she's experiencing those healthy emotions. And I read this and I think God is so kind. He doesn't just move us on to the next thing and say, Come on, get on with it. He gently restores our soul. David says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. That probably means God leads me down the right path. Like in 2 Samuel 5, David's got to go fight the Philistines. This is, first, uh, this is his first battle as king over all of Israel. But do you remember, did you notice how specific God was? Don't go straight up. Go around the backside by the balsam trees. I mean, you couldn't get more specific than that. And David says, he he guides me in all the right ways. The battle went so well because God was my military strategist. He told me exactly where to go. He told me exactly how to do this. We talked about will earlier in the sermon who has the head of his family is responsible for trying to deal with job issues and immigration issues and all of those things. And as he sent the email this week, will was testifying that God has led him down the right path. There were wrong paths. He could have gone down. He could have taken matters into his own hands. He could have tried to make it work out. he could have done something illegal along the way, but he's testifying. No, God's led me down the right path. And now it looks like there is a way opening up where there seemed to be no way before. Have you ever been there? Have you ever gone through something like that and looked back and go, you know what? Never in a million years could I plan this. The way this all works together, the way God used all this stuff where I was in the middle of it and I thought, no way, we're getting out of this. You look back and you say, no, God led me down the right path. There's times in the wilderness where we think we're on the wrong path. But you get out and you look back and you go, no, that was exactly the right way through this. And oh, the genius of God. Who could have figured this out? If you'd given me a million years and my best thoughts, I couldn't have planned it as well as he did. And David is looking at where he's at in 2 Samuel 5 and he's like, Who, who could have figured this out? Just God. Because God leads us down the right path. Verse 4, David goes on, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The reason why I think Psalm 23 means so much to us is the language that's used here just resonates with our soul. I love the fact that David calls it the valley of the shadow of death. Because a shadow is just that. It's a shadow. It's not a reality. A shadow cannot hurt you. The only thing a shadow can do is it casts darkness on your path. It can make it hard to see. I completely agree with that. David says when you go through the valley, there's actually nothing that can hurt you because it's just shadows. The greatest difficulty is it blinds our eyes. Because after all, what creates a shadow? A shadow is when the sun goes down behind the mountain. And you sort of have this image or this idea that God's presence, which is often this blazing sun in the sky and you feel his warmth, that there are seasons where he seems to disappear behind the mountain. Nothing can hurt you because it's just a shadow. But it is dark. But I love that that's why David says that when he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. That when God's presence no longer seems to be up in the sky anymore, God manifests His presence in a more real way right next to us. I'm not sure if David knew this as he's walking through the valley, but now that he looks back, he says, You were with me the whole way. Nothing could touch me. I think about Sue, who got this news about her mom in the valley of death. In the end, death was just a shadow. It couldn't actually hurt. Cancer is just a shadow. Not simply because Sue's mom lived. But because when we're believers in Jesus, death has no victory. It's only a shadow. It cannot hurt us. God leads us safely through that. And in the midst of it, you can testify, can't you? That in the midst of the wilderness, when God's blazing presence in the sky seems to have gone behind a mountain, that it's usually at those times that he shows up in person right next to us that his rod which protects us from our enemies is with us and his staff which provides food for us or grabs hold of us and pulls us back onto our path if we've wandered off the wrong way, that that's always with us. David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Normally when you think about being on the run from an enemy, You don't think about having a big meal. Either you don't eat anything or you quickly grab as much food as you can and eat it on the run. But not so with God. In the midst of adversity, God sets a lavish feast for us. He prepares a table and the idea here is peace. That yes, there are storms all around us that David knew and has experienced the evil and the adversity of life. But in the midst of that, he's realized God set a table for him. And he can sit down and eat in peace. How many of you have been in a situation? Maybe it was a health concern, maybe it was a problem with a child, or whatever it was. And everybody around you is like, How are you making it through this? If it was me, I would have crumbled at this point. And you think to yourself, I don't know. I don't know how I'm making it through this. Except that God has brought peace. That in the midst of adversity, I look back on seasons of my life and I think, I could never go through that again. <laughs> I'm surprised I even made it through the first time, but it was God setting a table for us in the midst of adversity. And suddenly you find yourself able to handle something you never thought you could have handled. That's the Lord being your shepherd right in the middle of that. That's why it says he anoints my head with oil. When little sheep got discouraged or dismayed or anxious, the shepherd would take oil and and rub it on their head. And this was a way of calming them down. This was a way of God saying to us, look, don't worry, I'm here with you. And how many of us can testify that in the midst of some of the worst experiences of our lives, we heard this little voice in our ear saying, don't be afraid, just believe. I'm with you. Maybe it was in the person of a friend who God sent just at the right moment. Maybe it was a phone call that came. at just. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe it was a passage of scripture. But right when we're feeling most anxious, when we're feeling most afraid, God shows up and whispers to us, I'm here. Don't be afraid. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. David says it's been so great, actually, that he feels like his cup is overflowing. (laughs) That in the midst of adversity, God has been extravagantly generous with him. And which of us can't say the same thing? That when you think about financially how God has been generous to us with food and clothing and shelter and the way He's poured out His blessings on us. Certainly we can I can testify that in the midst of difficult times God has been generous to us with Christian community and Christian friends. I look back on my life and I think about all the experiences and opportunities and answered prayer and the thing that you could never accuse God of is being thrifty. He's generous. I look back over all these things and say, man, God, you just, you dumped heaven on me. It's unbelievable. And when you think about how many sins he's forgiven, the only thing you can say is my cup overflows with God's generosity. That's why David closes with, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can picture David walking out of a dark valley, which has been difficult. It's been confusing. It's been hard. And he looks back over his shoulder and turns around. And instead of seeing a dark valley anymore, the only thing he sees behind him, goodness and love. What we translate as surely probably could be translated only. That when David stops and in Second Samuel 5, he looks back on everything that happened from First Samuel 21 all the way to Second Samuel 4. When he looks back on that period of life, all he sees is goodness and love. God's goodness and love. Yes, while he's in the middle of the wilderness, while he's, he can't see it. I get that. But thanks be to God, there are times he brings us out of the wilderness and you look back and you go, it was just goodness and love that whole time. And what in our English translations have been translated follow. It's probably too weak of a word. The Hebrew word is the idea of pursue. That God's goodness and love hunts us down. That it chases after us. It's not just that God is passively observing us going through what we're going through. It's that he sets love and mercy on a hunt after us. Go find them. Go hunt them down and chase them and fill them with my grace and mercy. And David says that happens in this life. And to top it all off, I get to spend eternity with this Lord. With this God who is my shepherd. I'm so thankful we don't spend our entire lives in the wilderness. I'm thankful that there are times that God brings bring us out. And, and, and if you stop and think for a moment, I think what David's doing in 2 Samuel 5 is he's saying, how in the world did I get here? I was this little shepherd of a nobody family from a little town that wasn't related to anybody important. And now I'm the king of Israel. Have you ever stopped for a moment and said, how did I get to this place? How did I get to this place in ministry or with this family or with this job or financially or from a health... How did, it, how did this happen? By all rights, I should have been dead in a corner somewhere. I should have been addicted to some sin. I should have had every, every meaningful relationship. God, I should be all alone. But then you stop and you go, no. The Lord's been my shepherd. The Lord's led me to this point. Now, perhaps you're here this morning and you think, I'm, I'm glad, but I'm still in the wilderness. That's Okay. Maybe you've resonated with previous week's sermons about being in the wilderness and the joy that David is expressing here. You don't feel that right now. That's okay. But you know, the good news is a day is coming that you are going to write Psalm 23. This is the promise of the Lord. You will not stay in that wilderness. That a day is coming in which your soul is going to rejoice, in which you're going to look back on your experiences and go, no, it was just goodness and love. And right now you you believe that in hope. But David is testifying. I'm testifying. Others here are testifying. It's coming. And so the Lord right now may be whispering in your ear, don't be afraid. Just believe. You're going to come out of this valley and you're going to write your Psalm 23. And you're going to celebrate the goodness of God. If you're here this morning and you have come out of the wilderness. If you're like Steve or Sue, or Mary or Will. And you've got your own story about how God has brought you out. Rejoice. He's so kind, isn't he? He's so loving. He's so faithful. He's so good. And we have the opportunity to stop for a minute and say, where would I be? If he hadn't led me through that. Which brings us to a time of communion. Communion is an opportunity for us to take bread and a cup and to be reminded that our good shepherd laid down his life for us so that he might freely give us all things. That God has already expressed his intent desire that Psalm 23 is our future and our experience. So this morning, as we take communion, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to participate in just a moment. There's going to be a time of some silent reflection and some testimonies and then bread and cup will be distributed. Simply take uh, a piece of bread and a cup and hold on to them after the time of testimonies and singing. We'll partake of them together. But while you're holding that bread in that cup, maybe you're going to hold it in hope. Think about the fact that if God gave his son for you, surely through his son, he's going to give you all things. Psalm 23 is your future. And if right now you are experiencing what David's experiencing in second Samuel five and in Psalm 23, as you hold that bread in that cup, just stop for a minute and think, how did I get here? I'm sure you're going to come up with the answer. The Lord, the Lord has been my shepherd this entire time. And in your heart, give him thanks. Let's pray together. Lord, you have been good to us. Lord, your kindness is beyond description. Your love reaches to the heavens. You have been faithful. Lord, I praise you that David has, through your spirit, given us words to express what our own souls feel. I praise you that David has given words that give hope to our soul. And God, as we celebrate this time of communion, I pray that right now you would be glorified. That in the hearts and minds of your people here, That your spirit would bring to mind how you have been a shepherd to each one of us individually. How you have not left us in a state of want. How you have prepared a table before us. How you have walked us safely through the valleys of the shadows of death. God, I praise you for your goodness and your kindness. Amen.